Bank of Clark County is making it easy to give to local charities. We're featuring a different one at each of our Bank of Clark County locations. To find out how you can support their good work, visit our website at www.bankofclark.bank or follow us on our social media channels and the hashtag GiveWithBOCC. Bank of Clark County. Member FDIC. Welcome to the post-production podcast. I'm Kiri. I'm Rachel. And I'm Michael! <laughs> Rachel, did you hear that? Yes, the, the strange sounds of a, a third person on the podcast today. Oh dear lord. Who could it be? Ah, it's, I do it's, believe it's Michael freaking Gabbert. And Mitchell Gerbert. This, you freaking what, mate? This is too much. <laughs> <laughs> so we've had, we, we've had Michael on this show before briefly to talk about... Shang-Chi, huh? Is that bad? That was bad. Okay. That's fine. This is fine. <laughs> he taught us how to say it correctly. Uh, he at least tried. Uh, we've also mentioned him several times, and he has been involved in several of the stories told on this podcast as well. We should just make a Michael compilation. I was going to say, he, he honestly, he has been mentioned so much on this podcast that he probably deserves credits as the third host. Uh, fourth, BuzzFeed has the third. Oh, <laughs> you're so right, Kiri. Yeah, we should just make a Michael compilation of just every time he is mentioned. So true. Well, and then, like, we also have to make, like, an honorary category for every time he's alluded to, but not by name. Right, yeah. Yes. But oh, if you're Lord. new to the post-production podcast, this is a really chaotic podcast, I'm not going to lie. But oh, yeah, we should introduce the show. The, uh, the basic premise of this show is um, that Kiri and I are two women working in various aspects of media production. Um, and every week we talk a little bit about our experiences as well as talking about popular works or specific disciplines of media production, dubiously critiquing other people's work because we are always right 100% of the time. And yeah. in maybe one of my more favorite formats of the show, um, we have guests on from other avenues of media production, such as this week. Yeah, and I know we have a, a tendency towards nepotism on this podcast because all of our guests are just our friends. But I think Michael is our first guest that's like actually in our main friend group friend mm-hmm. that we've had. But we do invite our friends with skills. Michael, what are your skills? Why do we have you on here at all? Um, It's obviously <laughs> not my crazy good looks and stunning personality no but (laughs) i'm kidding i am a visual effects major i like vfx and i like comedy those two are not mutually exclusive michael (laughs) is fairly humble in addition to being a vfx buff and a comedian um he's a creator of many kinds of content he is also a killer video editor i thought you were just gonna stop at killer no he's just he's a killer (laughs) psycho music starts playing yeah for real He's super good at computers and cameras and streaming and switching and literally all of the things. He is awesome and we like him a lot, which is why he's here today because um, we've done a lot of media work with him. Actually, like very different kinds. Like, oh, hey, yeah, yeah, you may remember him from Error 404 Show Not Found if you ever watched that. Uh, <laughs> he is now, 
He is now in charge of that. Yeah, somehow. Yeah, that's that's how I think both of us met Michael through that. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I just remember walking into the TV studio one day. You were just standing there in your little hoodie, all tense. It's like you you just gave off <laughs> oh the vibes that like one false move and you were gonna just break down. I was a freaking <laughs> freshman in college. What? Oh, don't. <laughs> You've gotten much more comfortable on camera, or at least better at hiding that you're not let's stick with the ladder yeah i just remember shaking your hand and you were just like hi <laughs> i was like this poor little boy he's gonna need some extra nudges to get, show some personality on camera i can already tell a lot of nudges but, that's personality yeah but it, you worked it worked out you're you're doing well now <laughs> for sure well and the crazy part is back when uh we met him for error 404 Michael was an engineering major. Yeah. yeah. I, for- I completely forgot about it until I watched some old videos where he talked about it. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that, okay, actually, that might be my first question to begin the interrogation, Michael. So you came into college as an engineering major. How the heck did you get into VFX and media production? Well, a part of this story can be humorously outlined in this thing that I might post called that I wrote called How Not to Be a VFX Artist. It's a little uh, paper I wrote for my creative writing class. I will just oh, take some. Oh, I think we've read this. Yes. <laughs> in high school, I like middle high school, I like making things. Um, I've I played around with like making a bunch of stuff, more some on the engineering side with like robotics and crafts and all that. And then I was like, oh, hey. Blender, it's free. I have no idea how to use Blender. What the frick is this? Um, so I put that away for years. Do high school think, hey, I'ma be an engineer. Yeah, definitely an engineer. Um, I come to college, spend the first semester in engineering, watch a bunch of YouTube videos on visual effects and just like making videos and stuff. And like, I ran into Rocket Jump and Corridor Digital, both who make uh, visual effects shorts on YouTube. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Uh, so I look up some tutorials and I'm like, I like this a lot. Now around that time, I joined Era 404 Show Not Found. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, I also like acting and sketch comedy. I just like video making in general. What the frick am I doing with my life being an engineering major? Take a shot every time Michael says frick. Yeah, for real. Frick. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then um, I debate changing my major. I'm like, oh, oh there's a digital cinema major. Eh, I don't kind of don't really want to do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a media production major. Oh, that's a lot of other classes too. Uh, so I'm like, okay, I'm going to stay an engineering major throughout the spring semester. <laughs> then like I take those engineering classes, which were like hell, by the way. Yeah, and then one day I hear from some friends like, yeah, so they announced this VFX major. I'm like, what? They announced it? <laughs> the wicked so smile that more. just spread across <laughs> Michael's face. And I'm like, if this isn't a sign of some sort of divine intervention, I have no idea what is. So I jump on that boat. And turns out I was this, I am this university's first visual effects student. I'm the guinea pig. Squeak, squeak. <laughs> Incredible. And okay, I have a follow-up question. For those listening to the podcast who aren't super familiar with visual effects, what is Blender? 
That's the software oh, you yeah. mentioned right at the beginning of your saga. It's a kitchen appliance where you put like all of your fruits and vegetables in and and you get a, a nutrition slushy. Oh, wait, what was I mean, that again? What? what? I could probably make a nutrition slushy in Blender. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. This is what it's like to hang out with us. Hello. Yes. All right. Um, in response to your question, Rachel, Blender is a 3D modeling animation texturing. It's a... 3D program that's free, open source, do it all in one. It's gained a lot of popularity nowadays because of course it's free and it's becoming more powerful. So it's climbing up in the industry. Um, When I first started learning it, I was like, I have no idea how to do this. Yeah, because the free stuff usually is an industry standard and there's not a yeah. lot that you can actually do with it without paying for extra add-ons and yeah. upgrades and everything. But now, um, free stuff is getting up there. Uh, DaVinci Resolve, their free version is very powerful. Blender, the updates they've done to it. The development fund, which a lot of big companies like Adobe, Epic Games are uh, contributing money to for its development. But funny thing about learning Blender, when I first learned it in high school, I couldn't do Jack. Like, I had no idea what I was doing with it. Taking a break, do it, learning how to use SolidWorks, which was surprisingly easy. I tried picking it up again, spring and fall semester of high of college, freshman year. I'm like, oh, it's so easy now, huh? It's kind of that weird, I don't know, incubation thing. Like you first like try to learn something and you suck at it, you can't understand it. Mm -hmm. Then you put it off for a while, just keep it in there in the back of your mind for a bit. You try picking it up again, and wow, suddenly you kind of know how to do something. Yeah, there's a cognitive leap there. Yes, yeah, a cognitive leap. Yeah, psychology, psychology. major. <laughs> Yo, so. Would you would you go into a career in visual effects? <laughs> that was an out from engineering. Let's be honest. Oh, yeah. For uh, academic reasons, this is a joke. I need yeah, my grace th to graduate. That's the necessary disclaimer for pretty much everything that we podcast say here. every week. <laughs> Gotta yeah. be real with you. I saw it more as an out from engineering. I love doing visual effects, but I don't think the industry is for me. Um, huh. I enjoyed doing my internship over the summer. That was fun. That was great. My most infamous flex. I worked on the fourth God's Not Dead film. Making <laughs> text message bubbles. You did? <laughs> I made text message bubbles for that film, as that well as the credits. So niche. My mind is blown right now. I hope you know that I watched the trailer for that film, Michael, and laughed out loud. Oh, so did I. <laughs> I never said I was proud of it. I just said I did it. I, I didn't even know they made three more of those. I That's funny. But now you can put that on your resume. Do I want to? If that ever comes out in a theater, we should go watch it together and then just like cheer when the text bubbles pop up. Yeah. <laughs> I should like, just go, yeah! I did those. It's the show. My magnum opus. And this is why I don't exactly want to pursue a full career in visual effects. I would rather much do independent content creation, like making sketches or just funny videos or animations on my own with friends. Good luck with the income and the taxes. I know. It's going <laughs> to screw me over either way. Well, life decisions tend to do that. True. So let's talk other movies that you did not work on. Oh, boy. Where should we start? How about Star Wars? We'll start oh with Star gosh. Wars. Uh, there's a lot to say. Okay, ILM, Industrial Light and Magic, 
was made it was founded for Star Wars way back in 1970 whatever when they started working on the visual effects for the original Star Wars movie 1970 whatever yeah year of our lord jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> and it was the, the visual effects were groundbreaking for the time you have any comments on that? <laughs> Do I have any comments on that? Oh boy, buckle your seatbelts, kids. Yeah, uh, I mean, to preface this, Michael is absolutely not a nerd, geek, or anything in between. And above all, he hates Star Wars. That's right. I think they could have done better with, like, everything. The story was stupid. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right, let's get into the nerd talk. Nerd talk. <laughs> nerd talk. These are just a few comments. <laughs> I would heavily suggest look up videos on YouTube about the visual effects, like special effects and visual effects of Star Wars. Like the original trilogy, amazing. Yeah. Prequel trilogy, there's some pretty good stuff there too. The sequel trilogy, yeah, there's some cool stuff too. Look up The Mandalorian. Corridor Digital does a VFX artist react series. They have gone over Star Wars and there's some cool insight. I, it's pretty hard to start because... Yeah, that's why I was like, where do we start in the whole world of visual effects? Back in uh, 1977, well, the 1970s, the Star Wars films defined, like, special effects and visual effects. Yeah. This was even before, like, advanced computer technology. So did they uh, invent the technique of having a blue screen and keying a different background onto that, or did they just perfect it? I... um, they didn't oh, invent it. There right, were movies yeah. beforehand that were able to... Mary Poppins, that's what I'm thinking yeah. of, yeah. Um, but they heavily made, like, great leaps and strides, like, using miniatures and compositing, like, layering the footage of the miniatures over backgrounds and stuff. Oh, compositing. Yeah, they did it manually, too, before computers. <laughs> they did it manually. Of course, there's the matte painting of the... Uh, chasm scene with uh, Luke and Leia in episode four. That was a matte painting. Pretty much every background was a matte painting. Every background wasn't on practical set. Like if it wasn't in Tunisia for like Tatooine, it was- And then when everything was animated for the prequels, everyone thought it was an atrocity, but whatever. Yeah. And of course the lightsabers and blaster bolts, they had to manually draw those. Yeah. Like the lightsabers they would have- Electricity and stuff, yeah. mm -hmm, A carbon rod for the blade and like for all the hits and stuff, you just go frame by frame painting over each frame to show the actual lightsaber blade and that is the process that is the technique we call Gosh. rotoscoping That's which so labor intensive like it, i can't even imagine how many hours went into that it is very labor intensive and it is rotoscoping is still one of the the basic techniques that visual effects artists use nowadays like you're going to have to rotoscope. Even if you do green screen, you're never going to be able to pull off a perfect key. You're going to have to go and cut out certain parts, um, which is an aside. Rotoscoping is has multiple kind of like received meanings. Like one, it's painting over something, like going frame by frame and painting over something. Another, like with masks, another is like it's cutting stuff out or blocking stuff. It's you're going frame by frame and you're just drawing masks, cutting things out. Of course, we have tools nowadays that like, help with that but gotta have a lot of patience you can't avoid it you got a lot of patience there are people whose like sole job is to do this and how they stay sane i do not know they probably don't yeah fair enough at least they're employed (laughs) in the world of visual effects yeah well and like to give some context to people listening who maybe like don't have a super strong background in editing or vfx Michael and I co-edited a project last year where literally our one job was to 
take a couple different shots that we had of people standing in front of a gray background. And essentially, we just needed to make the background a little more gray and like take some imperfections that were on the original backdrop out of the frame. And this project total took two of us working simultaneously 30 hours of editing <laughs> yep for a 12 minute video i still haven't seen it i think probably 25 of those hours were just us working through the cuts and the background issues yeah and that wasn't even like literally we ended up like essentially photoshopping the video and it, like it like it just takes hours and hours and hours and that was just a very simple basic thing of oh we need to remove some stains from the backdrop and make it a little wider was our like goal with this and it took us 25 hours with two decently competent editors yeah and of course we also had to make graphics and then edit that thing yeah and so when we talk about like oh that's so labor intensive the rotoscoping or the masks or whatnot you know how it feels (laughs) i mean hundreds of hours coming from VFX editors who have just crazy technical skills. Yeah. Pretty much. That's why that's why films like Star Wars were so groundbreaking is because it was VFX people with all these cool technical skills and with really great spatial conceptions who were willing to put the work in and put literally hundreds of hours into each of these movies to advance the technology and to advance the standards of what was considered art for the time and that's why marvel movies have such long credits yeah there are so many visual effects artists working on that on every single one of those movies same goes for star wars now too yep pretty much most um large like blockbuster movie uh, coming out of hollywood will have a large visual effects crew spanning multiple vfx houses nowadays yeah that shows how much they rely on effects yeah but one of the latest things in visual effects is the thing they used for the Mandalorian that I cannot remember. Uh, yes. The, 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 Ed, the, it, it was a, <laughs> what was it called? I don't remember what it was called, but it was one of the coolest behind the scenes videos I've ever seen. I, yes. They had um, basically a room that was all screens and it was like circular so there weren't like any sharp angles or anything, and they used uh, real time rendering on the cameras to yep. perfect the angles of, and everything. And every single one of the backgrounds was visual effects. Yep. So that this is really cool. It's so cool. So what they did was the room was set up with LED screens all around, and there was a machine running Unreal Engine, which is a game engine and now what game engines are designed to do is real-time rendering because that's how the game plays like you have no idea what's actually like gonna happen in this in the game so it has to be rendered in real time like as Mm -hmm. it goes so unreal engine is has been taking great strides with its photorealism technology trying to make stuff look real which is what allows the show like the mandalorian to essentially map out the landscape like the horizon and everything around the talent in the physical set and actually make it look real yeah the screens will match lighting essentially yeah and i bet that technology is going to be borrowed by several other studios in the future if it hasn't already yeah because it's it's i think it's 
going to replace green screens as it gets more popular, certainly. Oh, definitely. Yes and no. And I'm sure they're going to, I'm sure Lucasfilm is going to use that for all of their future shows coming up too. Yeah, I think like the all the big studios for sure are eventually going to turn to that technology because it's amazing. Yeah, and it's it's smaller. It doesn't take up as much room, mm-hmm. right. I guess. Unless you have a huge set. Yeah, the thing though is like, it's so just wildly expensive. Right, that's, yeah. And wildly ahead of where we've been for a while that I think, I think small time creators and I think beginners and amateurs, I think there's always going to be a need for blue screens and green screens because not oh, everyone yeah. can afford a studio sized Unreal Engine, essentially. You know what I mean? But I think the yeah. volume, that's what they call it. Ah, uh, yes. I don't, I don't know why, but they call it the volume, the little, the enclosure of screens. There was one shot they showed in the behind the scenes where Moff Gideon is standing on top of the TIE fighter with the Darksaber in the volume with a, a little blue screen right directly behind him. Yep. <laughs> so I was like, why did they need that? Okay. That's funny. I'd have to look back at that shot again to kind of figure out what they did. Michael would probably know. Maybe. <laughs> Yeah, well, technology is not perfect, but it is a, such a groundbreaking advancement in technology. It's amazing. More Star Wars groundbreaking technology. The prequels gave us the first CGI character <laughs> with Jar Jar Binks. Oh, and unfortunately, it had to be Jar Jar Binks. People hated him, but he was revolutionary as far as technology is concerned. Yeah. Also, the fact that they use salt for the waterfalls on Naboo. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so like there's this like wide shot of like the palace on Naboo in episode one. Yeah. And like there are waterfalls. They use salt. Huh. They just like poured salt over, over like a blue screen, keyed it out, and then composited it in on those. It's a little fun fact. Might as well. I yeah. Mean, it's kind of cool. you know. Reality can be whatever we want. This is innovation. It is innovation. What about Marvel? Marvel has always been... I think Marvel is what gives us the standard for visual effects. Marvel and the Star Wars sequels like gives us the standard for CGI in movies, which is why a lot of people look back on the prequels and cringe. Yeah. I have rarely seen obviously bad CGI in Marvel movies, except for the last one we saw. <laughs> Spoiler free review of Eternals. There is a CGI character in the mid-credits scene that looks very CGI. Like literally he looks 2D. Yeah. Like Yeah, no. It it's wasn't even bad. that it was like not realistic animation. It was like he literally looked like a flat moving drawing. And this is what happens when you don't allocate your budget. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean, other than that, Marvel Marvel's got some good stuff. Yeah. Even at the beginning, Iron Man 2008. Yeah, that was John Favreau, same guy who produced Mandalorian. I mean, come on. Yep. I just love the effects of the suit, like the CG suit that they made for that film because it looked so good. And that was 2008. And that was 2008. Like the newer like Avengers Infinity War and Endgame suits, not really doing it for me. Of course, they're too futuristic and like all that nanotech, ooh, smooth and shiny. But something I like to say is there is such thing as too perfect. Right. When something is too smooth and just too like done, like too well done in visual effects that it's... There's a little disconnect. Like, mm. that doesn't seem right. I think there a, there's a thing within, like, the world of visual effects as as we make advances, we need to, like, watch what is actually being, like, created because if it looks too perfect, it could be so good that it's seen as bad. 
Like, mm. oh, that's too smooth, or oh, that's... Like, creatures. I've seen great, like, physical animatronic creatures. I've seen great, like, just creatures done in older movies. Some creatures done in newer movies... Yeah. yeah, that's why a lot of the um, the creatures in The Mandalorian are am- animatronics. Yeah. Because they, they look so real and there's like texture. Are you talking about texture? Well, texture is one of the things, but the lighting and the, that, yeah. but also sometimes just how they move and how they behave. That, yeah. Part of that's on the animator, of course, but a lot it's of like it the, does come down to texture. If it ain't broke, don't fix it thing. You know what I mean? If the, if the technology creating the suits of the original Iron Man movies looked great. Do we really need to reinvent the wheel every time we do a new movie? Do we really need to do 20 new suits? It does seem like they do that. Every movie, he gets a new suit. Well, and then there was the one Iron Man movie where he built like 60 suits. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yep. Iron Man 3. 3. I think I've only seen that one once. That movie was on crack. That movie was on crack and I enjoyed it. They're knockoff Mandarin (laughs) and everything. Yeah. Um, I will say the fight scene at the end where all the suits are like fighting, that was pretty awesome. It was pretty great. See, that was the visual effects artist having a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, wait, you want how many suits now? Oh yeah, just give us like 40. And they're doing what? That's another one where I'm like, how many hours, how many people, and how many computers did it take just to animate that scene at the end of that movie? Lifetimes. Mm-hmm. I Like, I can't imagine. Literally thousands of hours, easily. Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. Here, here's a question for everybody. What is the worst CGI you have ever seen in a movie? Oh. Or what is oh, the movie oh. with the worst CGI you've ever seen? Have y'all seen Sharknado? <laughs> no. <laughs> and frankly, I don't ever plan to. <laughs> I, it was a movie so bad I would watch it again. Like, I'm serious. It was genuinely, it was some of the worst graphics and animation I have ever seen. And the funniest part was, it was one of those ones where like, it's a, it's a super low budget movie that it, they knew what they were doing. They knew it looked bad and like, they did not care. So I don't even feel bad making fun of it. That's one of those movies where I, I watch it because I love to laugh at how bad it is. I do not watch yeah. it because I want to watch a good shark movie. How about you, yeah. Michelle? It's hard. Um, Birdemic. Oh, I haven't Wh- seen that what? one. I haven't even heard of that. It's another low-budget movie. Sharknado, uh, Birdemic. It sounds like the same genre. Michael and I Pretty specialize much. in really bad low-budget movie watching. You ever watch The Velocipastor? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard of it. I- I've actually heard of that one. Velocipastor. Yeah, because uh, yeah. we told you about we it. Told, yeah. Oh, it was you guys. Okay. We uh, we watched it. Yeah, that one also had bad ones. So bad that it said, insert car on fire VFX here in text. Yeah, they didn't even bother at one point. They just <laughs> slapped some text on it in Premiere and said, yeah, this is fine, and moved on. Where does the pastor element come in? He's a priest in the movie. The Velociraptor? Who turns no, into a it's a man who is a priest. I don't even... Oh, his parents die, so he goes on a journey to find himself and is given a dinosaur tooth that cuts him, and then he becomes a velociraptor. Oh, it's like the velociraptor version of Spider-Man. Got it. Uh, More like the Hulk. Oh, okay, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Just, I turn into a velociraptor when I get angry. Pretty much, it's just that dumb. Um, I'm always a velociraptor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, no, those effects are pretty bad. Well, it's just like 
sticking footage of like just a still animation or something on it like nothing too <laughs> too bad um yeah. oh another one michael and i watched the trailer for llamageddon the other day <laughs> what's with all and these animals shoved into random words literally in the trailer for this low budget like Amazon Prime movie. There's a scene in which a llama ostensibly shoots laser beams out of its eyes at a bunch of people. That sounds amazing. And let me tell you guys, I don't know if it was rotoscoping or what, but the effects in that scene of those ostensible laser beams coming out of the eyes of a killer llama, <laughs> terrible. Absolutely Made me want to die. I loved um, every second. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like a movie night. Oh, Real. gosh. Uh, the first one that came to mind for me was Spy Kids 3. Oh my god, those were terrible. Yeah, I Spy haven't seen Spy Kids 3, but I just watched Spy Kids 1 like two days ago. Okay, I love the Spy Kids movies. Yeah. They are hilarious. They're funny. The visual effects are horrible, really, in all of the movies. Oh, they're no, they're, they look like they're video game graphics from, like, 2010. Yeah. Spy Kids 1 was killing me the other night. Like, the the yeah, the visual effects are awful. Just trash. It gets worse. In Spy Kids 3, they get, like, transported into a video game. And so yes. it's, it's all, and they're, like, mm. wearing these huge suits of armor that are also all CGI. It's bad. But it's really fun. Okay. We legitimately need to watch all of these movies together yes. just to make fun of them. The thing is, Robert Rodriguez, guy who made, of course, like Spy Kids and stuff. Uh-huh. Yeah. He freaking directed an episode of The Mandalorian. He sure did. So it's not, so it's like, the, it no. wasn't. It, yeah, <laughs> he, re- he directed the episode, the Boba Fett episode. The Boba Fett episode. The same guy that made Spy Kids. Yeah. That had the worst jetpack chase scene I have ever seen. Isn't in it. it beautiful? Directed an episode of The Mandalorian, aka one of the pioneering forces in VFX today. And it was a great episode, too. It yep. was. It was incredible. So, see, he's not a bad director. He's just, he's very well rounded. Well, see, he's well rounded. He was, like, for the Spy Kids films. He was their freaking visual effects supervisor. He did those himself, which that's unfortunate. for a director, producer, and stuff is very impressive. Yeah, true. And at the time, all the these CGI visual effects things were fairly new, mm-hmm. and they weren't associated with any of the big studios that were actually good at it. So yeah. So what I'm hearing is he sure can supervise visual effects. There's a lot of people that sure can supervise. He just can't. Do this the visual effects as evidenced by Spy Kids. Yeah, well the thing is those are also feature length films. But he made a great episode of The Mandalorian. True. Yeah. Now, could I do half of the visual effects in any of the Spy Kids movies? <laughs> no. Will that stop me from criticizing them? Absolutely not. Yeah, of course. You can talk crap about them all. It's great. True. <laughs> also, Shang-Chi is gonna be on Disney Plus soon, so Woo! I'm so stoked. We can just top it all off with a really great CGI movie. Oh my gosh, those are awesome. What I like about Shang-Chi. Or just like put it in the middle of all the bad movies. So it's like a CGI sandwich. A treat, like a little (laughs) snack. A lot of my friends are like, yeah, they went a lot of really heavy on the VFX and like the CGI and all that. I'm like, but they were good VFX. They were good. But also what they also did, you just didn't notice a lot of the practical and wires work they did on Shang-Chi. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. It's also not that you're biased or anything. But. Yeah. Like one thing I think it's starting to get to some people is that 
movies nowadays are heavily re- like relying more and more on visual effects. Yeah. More than they need to. And it's a tool. You got to know how to use that tool and how much of it, you sh- like the scope of what you're doing. I think The Mandalorian found a pretty good balance of practical mm-hmm. and visual effects. Oh, yeah. Or special effects. What's the difference between visual effects and special effects? Well. Oh, no. Um, no, visual effects is basically usually in- entails pretty much all the digital stuff. Uh, 3D, just like computer generation, compositing, particles. A lot of stuff done in computer can be seen as visual effects. Special effects are more physical and practical, um, like miniatures, uh, animatronics, prosthetics. So special effects are a little more all-encompassing? Yeah. Yeah. They're both effects. <laughs> right. And they're very effective. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see myself out. <laughs> yeah, please do. Goodbye. Okay, then. <laughs> Do we have any last questions for Michael before we wrap her up? Grill me. Trying to think of one that's spicy. One that digs up something sufficiently embarrassing. Oh, I've got one. (laughs) The fans are dying to know. What is one of your most embarrassing stories from a set? Oh, boy. Don't spare any detail. Because we've told a lot of embarrassing stories about you from sets. <laughs> well, but we've also told a lot of embarrassing stories about ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ourselves more than you, really. So I always like the thing to is, try and balance the cards. Um, I tend to, like, repress those memories. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally any of my 404 stuff pre-2019 oh, yeah. is pretty embarrassing. It's some Let's good see. stuff. Um, our live broadcast that we try to do during a couple of our games... <laughs> in which yeah it, we're just awkward it was, it was poorly it, yeah, timed we're all awkward oh god we we did our best we did our best and then we said never ever freaking again oh no we did it again a few times yeah we did well yeah. every time afterwards we said like never do this again yeah but then this year we oh no this year we freaking killed and, it. oh yeah we i still haven't seen the full videos everything. i want to see them i am working on those i actually have finished one already and i'm gonna upload it soon so uh, keep a lookout for like any updates to the era 404 show not found youtube channel yeah True. See, I I was thinking of one story in particular. Kiri, I feel like you should tell the story of the green juice. Oh, well, people can just watch that. (laughs) Episode five of The Workplace. (sighs) I feel like it's also just a good story. He had this like green vegetable juice that he had to drink for a scene. And uh, there were several takes. We had to spit that out in multiple takes. Oh, my God. (laughs) And then re-drink it. (laughs) And then re-drink it. Yeah. It was so nasty. Reduce, reuse, baby. Yeah, needless to say, if you want to see Michael make some really good faces, go watch that episode of The Workplace. Oh, please, I make good faces Also, if you want to see 19-year-old Michael, go watch The Workplace. No, he was 18 when we finished. I was 18. I turned 19 after the semester ended. The story I'm thinking of is when we tried to make this little cafe scene, and we needed a table to act as, like, the, the waiter table. And so we stacked two like couch coffee tables on top of each other. Side tables. Uh, to act as the countertop. Yeah. And I think this was Rachel's fault. I had to act like freaking bodyguard. I think, Rachel, you've told this story on the show before, but I think it was you who left a camera on top of that oh, structure. It was. And then Michael leaned on it and it almost fell over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was mad at Michael because it was clearly an unstable structure. Which, I am fair, always an unstable structure, you Rachel. You'd be mad at me for setting a camera on an unstable structure, but it was stable enough that it was safe to set a camera on if no one 
freaking leaned on it. I figured the one person on set who works enough with cameras and other types of technology would not lean on this. What can I say? it turns out that Kiri was that other person on set, (laughs) and Michael was just in wombat mode. Wombat mode. Hey, I'm just an unstable structure needing another unstable structure to lean on. Come on. Yeah, fair, fair. Fair enough. Uh, That's why Rachel's there. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Rachel and her bones. Thank you for listening to the post-production podcast and friends. Or just one friend. We have more than one friend. Hello! We hope you actually learned something or were at least entertained by us. If you want more content from us, just uh, listen to the rest of our catalog and follow us here on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you are. You can also follow us on TikTok at PostProductionPod or look at our website, PostProdPod.com. And finally, you can find all three of us on Instagram. I'm at RachelHNH, Kiri is at Kiri underscore Jones, and Michael, where can the people find you? Oh boy, um... You can find me on Instagram at Wuxi Mike, W-U-X-I Mike, or dropped the Wuxi Mike. Mike as in Mike or Mike as in Mike? Mike as in Mike. Okay. K-E. Um, TikTok, same username, Wuxi Mike. I am also on YouTube, Michael Gabbert, and you can find Air 404 Show Not Found on YouTube and on Instagram. Yes. So with that, this has been another episode of the Post Production Podcast. Yay! Yes, special thanks to Mitchell Gilbert for joining us today. Oh my God. Always a pleasure talking to Michelle. All right, goodbye. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumbo Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumbo Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You, too, could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.